It's the Full Court Press with Eric Franson and Jason Walker. Welcome back to the, uh, you know, to the to the show that we're doing right now. Following the local teams, breaking down the biggest games with in-depth analysis and team interviews. There's going to be much higher expectations, sense of awareness of what uh, we bring to the table. Join the show by calling into 435-752-1069 or text 435-339-0321. It's the Full Court Press. Throws, ends up, yes. touchdown, did he get it? Well, it's Monday, and we've had a little bit of time to maybe cool off a little, or or have you, or have you just gotten a little bit more amped up over what happened over the weekend? So we'll take your, your texts. Gosh, we'll even take your phone calls if you'd like, because uh, a lot of calls came over uh, our KVNU Aggie call on Saturday night after Utah State lost to Weber State 35-7. to Rough, uh, rough day for USU. Uh, so we'll talk about that. Continue to get the reactions to what was what happened on the field and what happened after the game, because that has become about as big a story as what actually happened on the field. And besides that, we'll get to the first RPI release for Region Football, Region Eleven Football for all of 4A, uh, an update on other things going on in in uh, RPI for high school sports with uh, volleyball and girls soccer. We're going to give away some free bread next hour, so stick around for that. But um, certainly the big topic of the day and you know, the opening weekend of the NFL. We should probably mention something with that. Um, but there, certainly the big topic of the day is continuing to react to what happened on the field between Utah State and Weber State and then what happened afterwards with Coach Blake Anderson's really tough uh, in in harsh comments about the Utah State fan base. So um, here we are on a Monday and trying to figure it all out. So feel free to text in 435-339-0321. Or if you want to call, you can do that too. 435-752-1069 here on the fan. And so, Jason, I know you put together the, the recap uh, this afternoon. You just published your uh, Monday cool down. Uh, did you get a chance to cool down? Is there much to to cool down? Or are we still pretty hot? Oh, 51, 52, 53. Oh, Eric. Oh, excuse me. I didn't see you there. Uh, I was just counting the days until basketball season. Oh. <laughs> anyway, what did you say? Something about my Monday cool down? Yeah. Are we cooled down or <laughs> I don't know. I'll share my opinions in a little bit, but just uh, first your initial reactions to the game, and then you know, where are we at on, on cooling down after the weekend? Um, I, I feel like I'm pretty cooled down. I mean, I considering I started the Monday cool down on Sunday, which is weird. I usually write most of my Monday cool down on Sundays. Um, but I was able to be pretty even keel about it say, all right, Here's the things that are wrong. It didn't just go on this rant about how bad Utah State is and just pour all the stats. Like on Saturday, I was having to bite back a lot of stats. Oh, there's this stat. And, you know, that's like the worst it's been since like 2006. Oh, that hasn't happened in forever. Bit back on a lot of that because it was unnecessary. All you need to know is that Utah State lost 35-7 to an FCS team. You don't really need to go into much more detail about this game than that. 
Um, and obviously, we're going to be doing that because that's our job. We'll go into some of the things. But a lot of that is just symptomatic of everything this whole season. So that's kind of what I did with my Monday cooldown is I talked more about the season as a whole. It was kind of a state of Utah State, what's going on. I included examples from all three games so far to show, hey, this is, these are the things that have been happening every single game. This isn't, this isn't a one-game thing. Sure, it kind of all fell apart against Weber State, and I don't think we're going to see this kind of collapse too often. I hope never again, but I don't think we'll see it to this degree again as far as historic, catastrophic losses. Um, so really, it's just there's some things that are going wrong with this team. They may be fixable, and moving forward, they need to be fixed. Some of them, some of these problems date back to last season, which is really worrying as far as getting them fixed. There are things that we saw last season, but they kind of got away with because of things they had last season, which now we don't. And yeah. we can get into more of that. And if you read the article, I, I do mention a couple of those things. Uh, but yeah, there's just, I don't know, overall, there's just not enough words to describe the feelings that come out of a loss like that. So uh, we'll get to some words from the text line and uh, get your thoughts, your feelings after the fact. Uh, now that the day, you've had more than 24 hours uh, to kind of reflect on what happened, have things gotten better or have they just gotten worse? 435-339-0321. And uh, this was over the weekend from 8360. Do you have any do you have podcasts of the postgame analysis? Uh, we do. It's on the KVNU uh, podcast feed. You can go to kvnutalk.com, and uh, it's under their on-demand section. I know we're trying to find a way to get it on our podcast feed, but um, I couldn't connect with uh, you know where who's loading those and where the audio is to get it on our podcast feed. So we're, I'm, we'll keep working on that. They're hiding the audio from you? Yeah, but it's linked in your article. Uh, the Your one about the fan fans being upset and the boos and things like that so uh there's and also in the uh the monday cooldown. so there's links to it uh we'll, we'll keep i shared that on my personal twitter account uh, we'll find more ways to get it out there for you but we'll try to get it on our podcast feed too uh eight nine six eight i'll have to admit that i was one fan that expected the aggies to be two and one right now and the one i expected to be a bit closer this was just plain embarrassing for all Aggie fans. Yeah. Embarrassing is one of the words you can use. You can find all the synonyms to embarrassing and, and whatnot. Like I said, there's there's not enough words to describe this. It's a historically bad loss. It's, again, embarrassing, catastrophic. <laughs> this is the kind of loss that breaks teams. We'll see if that happens. But considering the stuff that happened after the game, we might start seeing cracks. I don't want to say the sky is falling, but, you know, well, when, you, when you see smoke, start thinking fire. Well, and Coach Anderson addressed that after the postgame. In his postgame comments, one of the things he said is that, you know, I've, he said, I've been a part of teams where when there's adversity like this, it will fracture the team. But I've also been a part of teams where this has galvanized our team and brought us closer together. And he said, we're going to find out what kind of team we are over the next next week. Yeah, and so here's, here's the thing. You know, way back when I was just starting on this program, I basically issued a warning 
to the effect of saying this team could be in for a disappointing season. I didn't want to believe it, but it was something that I'd observed from you know previous Aggie teams where they get too big for their britches, and then they fail. They have disappointing follow-up seasons, and we talked about it on the show. And one of the keys that I mentioned, it had a lot more to do with attitude than it did about talent on the team. It had to do with what's your mentality? Are you working hard? Last year's team worked their tails off. They overcame adversity. They overcame, to be quite frank, a somewhat you know a bit of a lack of talent in some areas. And they outworked their opponent. They overcame adversity. They overcame you know a 2020 season that is almost a program destroying type of year, one that sets you back years. And they completely erased it because they responded well to that adversity. A lot of the guys on last year's team were on the 2020 team. And then they performed, and they had a historic season in a good way for Utah State. And basically my warning was, if this team doesn't have that same attitude, they will not succeed because they are not talented enough you know, to, to pull that kind of season off. Yeah, and I remember uh, Matt Wells uh, talking to him, and uh, this was – to go back and look which year it was, but Utah State had, had a good year, solid year, the year before, and then he was uh, he was upset with his team's mentality the following season that they just weren't quite taking it that seriously, that they just kind of walked in thinking, yeah, this is who we are, and the success just kind of comes, uh, not recognizing all the work and effort that had been put in by previous rosters to get them there. And I think that may be what we're seeing with Blake Anderson's squad right now. Is that, and he mentioned that multiple times in his postgame presser, that his he's looking for leadership on his team. The leadership is not there. The players are not holding themselves accountable. They're not preparing themselves properly, and not taking their opponents seriously. And this is what we have: one good quarter of football from this team offensively, and. F- Frankly, you know, it's not just the defense that's got problems, which you've pointed out that uh, this or the, the offense has issues, but so does the defense. Yeah. The defense at least has some positives that I can identify, and you identified them on Twitter. You, you kind of led with a positive thing on Twitter. Like, oh, let's talk about some positives, which we kind of <laughs> need right now. Yes. And a couple of those were on defense, getting some tackles for losses. They're aggressive. Some things work. Getting interceptions. They're, I think, tied for third in the country in interceptions they have six and the two teams above them have seven um and so they're like 12th in turnovers uh forced then they also have a blocked punt so some positives on the defensive side but and then on offensers i can't figure out a single thing i'm positive about about the offense other than that it can it can theoretically get better that's about the only positive i can think (laughs) on offense is that it's got to go up somehow got to go up um yeah the defense also does have issues inconsistency is actually their main problem you know because I, I still like what they've got on defense it's just there's a ton of inconsistency which happened last year again this defense was inconsistent last year they struggled against the run at times they struggled to stop the pass they did force turnovers which was you know that was one of their you know kind of get out of jail free cards yeah, that they'd pull in a lot right. of situations and they're doing that somewhat this year you know last year they made it work and in big games, the defense just overall stepped up and were consistent for an entire game. Right now, we, we've not seen 
the defense be consistent for more than like a quarter or two at a time. A couple more texts coming through. This is uh, <laughs> 7994. Jason lies. Guess Weber State has better athletes than he thought. Yeah, I got some egg on my face for things I said last week. Maybe we'll play that audio someday, roast myself. <laughs> the part where I said, I'm not worried about Weber State at all. So did you, did you see the, on social media somebody proposed trading Utah State for Weber State in the Mountain West, and the big sky reacted and said trade rejected? Yeah, I saw that. <laughs> Pretty clever by the uh, conference. U- Utah State might be able to win their conference. Uh, 9315, heat boiling off the text line from Aggie fans. Uh, yeah. Yeah, I can feel it. I can feel it from here. Also, earlier in the day, debacle, the USU football wordle of the weekend. Yeah, there's a lot of different words that could be used to describe the game. Somebody asked me earlier today, and there's one word that I used, and then I came back and I just said, wow. And that's just, I think that's the word I would go with. The one word to describe Saturday would just be wow. I think my word might have four letters. (laughs) <laughs> may or may not be appropriate for this uh, this uh, medium. A couple more texts rolling through, 5338. After a long weekend of football, I've come down to two conclusions. One, after the Miami Dolphins beat down to the hapless cheating Patriots, they'll be going to the Super Bowl from the AFC. And two, it could be worse for the Aggies. Their coach could be Scott Frost, and their quarterback could be Joe Burrow. Yeah, I'd love to have Joe Burrow quarterback in the Aggies right now. Yeah, Scott Frost got canned at Nebraska. Fifteen million dollars richer. Yeah, not not the worst thing that could happen to him. Another loss, close game, but that was one they should have won easily. Georgia Southern, nine nine five two. Another concern with the leadership statement. I watched Reynolds lead the player huddle at the end of the third quarter. He's getting players refocused. I watched Lega talking to players on the sideline. Is Anderson not paying attention to his players? Well, players talking to each other is not necessarily indicative of actual leadership. It can be a, it's usually a symptom. It's usually there. But guys talking to each other, they do that. And you know, I saw some subtle things from AJ Vong Pachong getting guys into position on a certain defensive play that ended up being a good play where, you know, he saw something and they were able to make an adjustment kind of on the fly. You can see those things, and Bonner's done some of those things. We saw that in the scrimmage where he was going over and talking to guys. But, you know, with the leadership, it's keeping each other accountable. It's, you know, rallying guys when things are bad. You know, it's it's a bunch of different things, and also it's a lot of times leading from the front and then being transparent yourself. Like when you do something bad, okay, I'll take ownership of that, you know. There's a lot of different aspects for of leadership, things that we're typically not going to see and that we can identify because we're not in the locker room, we're not on the practice field. That's why it's always tricky to say that guy's a leader because usually we don't know. Right, and, and I talked about this in the postgame show. I don't. I think there's a tendency to turn to your seniors to be your your leaders, and there's a lot of good reasons for that. Their tenure in the program, their maturity—they should they should be playing larger roles on on the field, but um, that can't be assigned. Leaders, leaders emerge, and if you assign somebody a leadership position but they're not comfortable in that position, it, it can actually cause more damage than than help. 
So um, it, it's interesting that we're this deep into this with the spring ball, fall camp, three games played, and Coach Anderson is saying we got to find our leaders. And that that's perhaps the most shocking thing that I heard from his post-game press conference. I'm not totally surprised by him being upset about the booze, um, you know, complimenting Weber how they outplayed him. He got outcoached. That, none of that surprised me. Uh, I, I was maybe a little bit surprised at how harsh he was about the fans, but the, the biggest takeaway for me was him being at a, a little bit of a, a loss, at trying to figure out where his team's leadership is, especially this late in the year. With what this this team as it's put together, since they've been together since February, and they're still trying to figure out who their leaders are. I think another potential issue is: Do they have players that are willing to follow leaders? Mm, it's fair because you can point. have players that are just stuck up in and of themselves and wouldn't follow, you know, Alexander the Great, you know, if he was right in front of them. I mean, I, I saw that a little bit when I was playing high schools. We had a guy, he, he wasn't a guy who got playing time at all. He was, a, he was a real vocal leader and energizer of the team. And there were guys, you know, who were actually playing, but they kind of mutter behind their guys' back, oh, just shut up. You know, as he was yelling and trying to, you know, work everybody up, and guys were just turning their backs on him. And that team I was on didn't have a ton of success. I mean, we, we won some games, but once we got to the playoffs and faced real adversity, got shut down. So you can have vocal leaders and good leaders on your team, which, I mean, maybe Utah State doesn't, but another problem I think that could be facing the Aggies is are they willing to follow leaders that do show up? Mm. Yeah. Very, very good point. Uh, a bunch more texts coming through on our Full Court Press text line. Um, this is from 8968. I think I said all week that Weber um, makes this game or marks this game on their calendar. They were waiting for us and really took it to us. One question, just how bad is UConn? It must not be very good. Like I said, I think there is an aspect of this Weber State game that is an anomaly. We will not see Utah State play this bad again, at least I hope. I should avoid making definitive statements again. Yeah, at this point, <laughs> I think we got to be careful. Yeah, but, you know, there are issues, but... You know, you can come back from this and play better the next week. There's teams that have lost to FCS teams, and they come back and they win games against FBS teams. There are aspects of this that are going to be a one-week anomaly. Um, but uh, as far as Weber State marking this game, they definitely did. They they looked forward to this, um, and they came out, punched Utah State in the mouth, and then kept going. It's one of the biggest wins in their program history. Yeah. Coach Jay Hill, that's what he said afterwards. This is one of the biggest wins in our program history. And it should be viewed as such. Yeah. It is. You know, FCS teams don't beat FBS teams very often. They just beat the reigning Mountain West champions. Yeah. So, for them, they really wanted to win this game, and Utah State thought they were going to walk in and come in with a win. They had the attitude I had toward this game, which is the worst thing possible. <laughs> You cannot have the same attitude towards the game as your local radio host. Uh, by the way, UConn lost the opener against Utah State, beat <laughs> Central Connecticut twenty-eight to three, and then just lost to Syracuse forty-eight to fourteen. Yeah, so they're not very good. They're going to be about as bad as usual, maybe slightly better. Might go two and ten. 
a couple more texts, and we'll. I want to get through these because you got a lot coming through, so we'll get to There's those on the full court text. press text line. Uh, nine eight three five. Looking for a positive on offense. Uh, it, it looks like nobody got hurt, so we get to look forward to the same offense in two weeks against UNLV. Well, it's a good thing nobody got hurt because I don't think anybody behind the guys are going to do any better. So there were more guys who went down Saturday than who went down against Alabama. Yeah, a lot of them were on defense. Which was kind of surprising, to be honest. Nothing like serious, so it's it's really really fortunate that USU gets its bye week when it does for multiple reasons. Yeah, they've got a lot of things to figure out. Some guys to get healthy, and yeah, like I said a lot of things to figure out. Some real actual soul searching, like not football soul searching, actual soul searching. Like, you know, who am I as a person? Am I actually doing the right thing here with the football team? Like. Am I a bad teammate? Am I not working hard enough? Lots of things. If if it works that Gary or Gary, no, that's me. I doing see it. you do it too. Yeah, it's not if, just if me. If it works that Blake Anderson plays the us against them card to help galvanize his team, fine, fine. But they need to. They have to do something to try to come together because right now they're not. Uh. I don't actually interesting correlation. In fact, I'm going to play this right now. Uh, earlier today, there was a press conference with Danny Ainge and Justin Zanuck, and this was uh, some interesting comments about the Utah Jazz. But something that they said struck me as something that may be going on in Logan. And this was uh, this was Danny Ainge speaking about the Utah Jazz team. As he came in mid-season, sat back, kind of observed things, saw how things went through the year, and then into the playoffs. But when I heard him talking, I couldn't help but think that he may be describing what's going on right now at Utah State. When adversity hit, um, the resolve you can see in a team that has a true belief in um, having each other's back or a belief in one another where um, the team had, I, I don't, I think individually they have resolve. I just don't believe that collectively they did. And so we'd see a lot of players trying to do it on their own. And, and that was kind of a multi, uh, an ongoing theme of their press conference today is that individuals believed and had conviction to play hard they didn't believe in each other. And I don't, I'm not trying to say that is the exact same thing that's going on on the campus at Utah State University, but clearly something is going on and needs to get resolved. Yeah. Well, we're theorizing. We're trying to toss around ideas to figure out what the heck's going on. And there are a lot of different possibilities we have to throw out, and we'll kind of pick what we think is happening based on what evidence we have. Ultimately, there's an unknown aspect to it. But, I mean, something. You know, with what Ainge was saying as far as, you know, facing adversity and some people can overcome it. Um, you look at the Boston Celtics last year. They overcame some pretty tough adversity at the beginning of the season. Yeah. But then I, I thought of Utah State last season. And I think I mentioned this in my either my recap or the cooldown. I think it was the recap somewhere where I brought up last year, Utah State had two of its worst offensive performances of the season uh, in one way or another. 
back-to-back fairly early in the season. They score three points against Boise State. They're actually decent in terms of yards gained, um, but only three points scored that entire game by them. Then the next game, BYU, or maybe I can't remember which one they played first. I want to say it was Boise State first. But then BYU, that was their worst game in terms of offensive yardage the entire season. They did end up scoring 20 points, so kind of weird how those two games went. But in one way or another, their two worst offensive games of the season, they then went on to win like 7 of 8 or 8 of 9, basically to finish the season, win the bowl game, win the Mountain West Championship. That came after an early period of adversity for them. So they were able to bounce back. They had that mentality. I said the 2021 team had a mentality that this team does not, and that has been a huge difference. There's some talent that's missing, but the biggest difference is the mentality, and they need to get that back. Yeah, I'd love to continue to get your thoughts about what happened on Saturday and your reactions to the post-game comments that were made and how that's uh, very people are reacting to it. Some are standing by the coach. Others are standing by the fans. So uh, we'll we'll play it again, what coach had to say, and then draw your uh, conclusions to that. 435-339-0321 right here on the Full Court Press. This year's Grand Latino Festival is Saturday, September 17th on Center Street in Logan. All are invited to celebrate the Latin culture with delicious food, lively music, dancing in the streets, and cultural performances. Festivities get underway at 4 p.m. with a parade of flags and authentic Latin dress. Then work off the calories to everyone's favorite dance-based workout, Zumba. This year's Latino Festival is presented by Gosner Foods, where you can earn between $15 and $20 an hour, quarterly bonuses, and free health insurance. Members First Credit Union, our name says it all. Thermo Fisher Scientific, Thermo Fisher is hiring. Join their team today. iFit, a global company committed to diversity and inclusion, welcomes everyone to the Latino Festival. Bring your family, your friends, and especially your appetite to the Grand Latino Festival, Saturday, September 17th, starting at 4 p.m. on Logan Center Street. Hi, this is Tyler. Recently, my father passed away, and White Pine provided the funeral services for our family. They were friendly, thoughtful, and attentive to every detail. You know, it isn't often that a loved one passes away, so it was very important to my family that everything be handled just right. Because my dad was loved by so many people, we had a lot of family and friends that traveled from out of town. I really appreciate how White Pine Funeral Services made sure everyone was comfortable and that the focus was where it needed to be, on my dad and my family. They really took care of us during this tender time. Are you a small business owner? Who's your bank? This is Bruce Rigby. I want to invite you to bank with us at Cash Valley Bank. We specialize in helping small business and we have great people. That's the Cash Valley Bank difference. Decisions made locally without all the red tape by people who care and know how to help small business. Cash Valley Bank, growing, expanding, and proud to have our roots firmly planted in Cash Valley. Cash Valley Bank, member FDIC. The Young Automotive Group is proud to announce Young Truck and Trailer Center in Cache Valley. Whether it's heavy equipment trailers, horse trailers, race car trailers, or cargo and utility trailers, we're excited to offer some of the finest trailers and flatbed work trucks to Cache Valley. Our team of experts look forward to helping you find the right truck or trailer to fit your needs, with competitive prices offered on every make and model for sale on our lot. With our extensive inventory, you'll find the best deals right here in Cache Valley. Young Truck and Trailer Center, just off Highway 89 in Logan. Think Young. Drive young.
Breaking down the biggest games with in-depth analysis and team interviews. It's the Full Court Press with Eric Franson and Jason Walker. Holidays, back to school time, whatever it is, it can it can be stressful. I'm trying to figure out your fandom, your local team, that can be stressful too. <laughs> Various levels of stress. Uh, but, you know... You're worried about a lot of different things, but don't worry about your car. Valvoline Instant Oil Change across from Angie's will get you in and out quickly. 695 North Main in Logan. So, yeah, rough weekend for Utah State football. That's one way to put it. Uh, a lot of fans reacting. Certainly, there, there are a lot of things to react about the game itself, and then there are things to react to what the coach said afterwards. Uh, and so we'll continue to get to those and continue to get your texts as they've been coming through on our Full Court Press text line, 435-339-0321. Great place to, to vent or to counter what's been said by others. Uh, 1534 says, I get that Bonner isn't 100%. I'm not sure he's 25%. Bringing the team down, Lagarde not looking good either. So there's a lot of people. There's several texts we uh that are going to mention Logan Bonner, Cooper Lagan, and the quarterback dynamic. Honestly, in rewatching the game, having gone back and looked over some of the other games, I don't believe this is really on Bonner very much at all. There are mistakes he's making. They're the same mistakes he made last year. He's not a super accurate thrower. I mean, in the one of the greatest seasons for a quarterback ever, he only completed like 61% of his passes, I think. Um, and he's a career 59% completion percentage like before he came here. So this is a guy who's had his flaws, had them last year, and they're showing up to a degree this year. There's a lot of this offense, offense offense's failings that fall on the wide receivers, in my opinion. The passing game's failures fall more on the wide receivers, in my opinion, than on Logan Bonner. And it's hard for people to see that unless you're you know really trying to pay attention hard and and, you know, you just see oh, the ball is incomplete, so it's Bonner's fault. You know, he throws a pick. Okay, it's Logan Bonner's fault. I believe two of his passes, his interceptions last week were tipped. One went through the hands of his wide receiver. The other was kind of tipped as he threw it on a tricky pass and just bad luck fell into the defender's hand. The pick six, yeah, <laughs> that's on him. That's that definitely on him. So let, let's keep some of these things in mind. And you look at the drop rate this year. According to PFF, it's like 12% for you know his on-target passes getting dropped, which is almost double what it was last year. And you know there, there was a play, I think it was in a late first quarter, sometime in the second quarter, throws this dime to Brian Cobbs right in the window, and Cobbs gets two hands on it, goes right through. There was another play where I think it was Terrell Vaughn. There was a penalty on this play, so it ended up kind of not mattering. But had a touchdown, just had to catch the ball, turn around, walk into the end zone. Hits him in the chest, falls on the turf. And this is happening over and over and over again. There's drops. There's receivers not getting open. Like, how do you complete a pass if your receiver's not getting open? Well, we've also seen uh, – there's been a few times, and you point this out in your, in your article today, in your cooldown. And I think it was more noticeable against UConn, but I think we saw it a little bit uh, against Alabama. Not so much on Saturday, but we have seen it a couple of times where 
he throws the ball to where he thinks the wide, rec- wide receiver should be, but they run a totally different route. So us not knowing what the call was, it's hard to know. Did the wide receiver blank on what route he was supposed to run, or did Bonner? We don't we, that, we don't know that. Yeah. But there's a couple times where he's he's only looking at one half of the field, and he's I mean, so there are some issues that are on him where he's only looking at one half of the field and staring down his receiver and giving opportunity for defenses to react. But there's been some times, too, where wide receivers aren't running the routes. Uh, and may- Well, maybe they are, and he's just throwing it where he thinks they're supposed to be. But they're not on the same page. That's the point, yeah. is that they're not both on the same page. Yeah, and that can be tricky, and just kind of a few things. I mean, as far as the receivers being on the same page, the trick is sometimes these are option routes. You know, there's the one it was against UConn that I, that I do post a video of is Brian Cobbs. There's 16 seconds left in the first half. They're on this drive. They end up kicking a field goal. And so Bonner must be thinking, all right, going to go for the touchdown. Well, what Brian Cobbs sees is his corner, the guy, the corner guarding him, basically kind of backs up as the snap's about to happen, kind of bails. He's going to cover the deep route. Well, Cobb sees that and says, okay, I'm going to go to the sticks and sit down. We're going to maybe get either a shorter field goal or likely a closer chance at a touchdown. It would have been, you know, it would have cut the distance in half. They're on like the 30 or something like that. Make an easier second shot at the end zone, a shorter field goal at least. Well, Bonner, he either didn't read that or he just was stuck on, I'm going to throw this ball into the end zone. And so when Cobb sits down at the, the, the sticks, Bonner's throwing it deep. And so it's like, well... What's going on? Then the next play, Kyle Van Leeuwen, he runs his route to the end zone, but then Bonner changes his mind and throws the sticks. So, yeah, they're, they're not on the same page. And I forgot all of the stuff you said, so <laughs> I had a lot of things to say, and I'm just getting upset, and I can't remember all the stuff I well, want to is say. That, I mean, that's the bottom line. It's just, it doesn't appear that the quarterback and wide receivers are are connected here, and that's that's something that, that offensive staff has to get figured out. Yeah. Because they're just they're not moving with consistency. Yeah. Well, another thing you mentioned is when Logan is looking at the one half of the field, the plays very much appear to be designed that way. Because you watch the other half of the field, the receivers, they stop their routes. They stop trying. They know there's only he's only looking at the one side of the field and he's going to throw there. That's where I worry a little bit. You know, college offenses have to be simpler that way. You know, with Jordan Love, the offense was super simple. They only had a few different route combinations, but right. they ran them really well. Last year, a lot of the same stuff. Cut the field in half. You do that with college quarterbacks who aren't nearly as developed as NFL quarterbacks who can go through progressions over the entire field. But, you know, that is kind of limiting. When you give him two options, he has to do one. And, yeah, again, that kind of falls on the receivers when they don't do their Logan job. Logan Bonner's not a fresh, clean, new, brand-new quarterback. Yeah. <laughs> he's, been, he's a quarterback. This is like, what, his sixth or seventh year? At the college level, I mean, not quite that much, but he's been in there a long time. Yeah, with because of injury, medical red shirts, and COVID, this guy's been a college quarterback for a long time. So I'm still a little surprised that if that's what it comes down to, we have to draw up simple, dumb it down, and that's not the right term, but simplified versions of uh, of an offense because he can't check down. That's concerning too. Yeah, and a lot of it is, you know, some of the frustration with the play calling is. The passes only seem to have two options. And if and if the defense plays good, they take away both those options, what is he supposed to do? There's one play where he throws into double coverage, and I'm re-watching and thinking, why the heck is he throwing into double coverage? And it's because, what other option did he have? Nobody was open. So, again, this is, 
this is my opinion. I'm kind of in the minority here where a lot of people are saying Bonner's playing poorly or some going as far as to say he needs to be benched. Cooper's not going to do any better. Guaranteed, he will do worse. There's one way I think maybe he or Levi could help, but it has nothing to do with the pass game. Right. They, they, they have that, that escapability, the option actually where a defense has to consider that the quarterback can roll out on a bootleg. Yeah. Well, yeah, the read option. And I go over this in my cooldown. I show a play. It's a read option play, basically. And you leave the defensive end unblocked by design. Well, he goes straight for the running back because Bonner's not keeping it. <laughs> Everybody and, knows Logan Bonner's yeah. not going to run. And when I was re-watching the game, I started keeping a tally. How many times did the backside defensive end make a play? I started to need two hands to count. It was ridiculous. And the one I show, you know, there were multiple mistakes. That's why I used that particular play. Is it wasn't just the backside defensive end. There were some other issues, which are indicative of the offensive line struggling to do their run blocking properly. But again, just there are a lot of ways the run game is falling apart. And like I said, if you're going to bench Bonner, it's going to be because you want the run game to be better. Because like you said, Cooper can keep it. Levi can keep it. That'll add an extra dimension in the run game, which, you know, if you want to sell me on that's why you're benching Bonner, I could almost listen. But then there's the fact that Cooper and Levi can't pass nearly as well as Bonner right now. Yeah, that's true. There's a, and I get, and I totally understand. There is a reason Logan Bonner is QB number one. Uh, a couple more texts getting through here. Uh, six five four three. Still trying to believe what the coach said after the game. I've been an Aggie fan longer than you've been alive, coach. Here are a few words of wisdom from a guy in the stands. One, have your team ready to play every week. We've seen that these uh, lower-ranked teams can play with the big boys when given a chance. Uh, as an aside, see the Sunbelt Conference this past weekend. Yeah. Uh, number two, don't offend your fan base. Everyone, including fans, deserve respect in this process. Number three, don't bite the hands that are feeding your million-dollar-a-year contract. Coach said the worst possible thing at the worst possible time. Step down off the soapbox and let's get this thing fixed. Yeah, and I saw, you know, with Coach Anderson, there also there's there's some people who were attacking the fans and talking about how, oh, I don't want to name names, but basically people saying, oh, the fans aren't important. I don't want to put words in this person's mouth, but basically acting like the fans weren't important. And it was all about, you know, revenues coming from other places. The, the fans don't mean anything because they're not, you know, paying the salaries because, you know, like only 17,000 show up to a game. Their ticket sales aren't amounting to anything. But, yeah, don't bite the hand that is actually feeding you. The fans yes. are the reason this is happening. And the school's like, you know, look up the, the fiscal reports. This is this was the one I looked at was back from like 2017, 2018. Of the roughly $33 million budget, $17 million came from institutional support, i.e. students' tuition, and another, let's say $12 million came from institutional support, $5 million from student fees. So well over half your budget is coming from the students who were booing you. So be careful. Right. Yes. Uh, a bunch more coming through. we got to take a timeout. But before we do, 8360, I think the booing directed toward the play calling was very warranted. We could have been easier on Bonner individually. Also, are they underutilizing the, underutilizing the tight ends? 
I think it would give us more offensive diversity. Yeah, we've we've gone over how important tight ends can be, but you have to have the tight ends. Maybe we do, and they're just not using. If we have the tight ends to create the kind of, you know, chaos the good tight ends can call, then you should have fired this coaching staff yesterday because they would be criminally underusing them. But I'd like to give some credit to the coaching staff and say, well, they probably don't have super great tight ends. Right now they're using them basically as fullbacks. Right, we've seen that probably more often than anything. Parker Buchanan lined up as a fullback. Ron, we've seen him line up as a, as a fullback. Brock Lane was uh, uh, available apparently for the yeah. first time. So given more time there and, and a healthier uh, group, hopefully we do see a little bit more tight end action but not really utilized in the passing game. They've only ran like basically one play to the tight ends, and it's a flat. They ran it last game, and it was that non-targeting call, which was – and when I got a second look at it, I wasn't as mad when I uh, you know, was re-watching the game yesterday. But still, it is – I've seen people ejected for less. Yes, totally agree. In fact, we got some comments on that on the text line. We'll get to those and a lot more. On our Full Court Press text line, 435-339-0321 here on the Full Court Press. Don't get caught without power after a windstorm or a major winter freeze. Golden Spike Electric offers Generac backup generators so you can be prepared and keep your home warm while avoiding frozen pipes. Golden Spike Electric is one of the largest Generac dealers around, so you know it'll be installed right. Whether you're a homeowner or an electrician, contact Golden Spike Electric to rest easy the next time the power goes out. Online at gsegenerators.com or call 435-257-3016. They also service other models. Hi, I'm Jay Broadbent with Alpine Home Medical. I'd like to invite you to learn more about us. Since 1997, we've been Utah's premier one-stop shop for home medical equipment. What sets us apart at Alpine Home Medical is the superior level of customer service. We provide home oxygen, CPAPs, wheelchairs, scooters, breast pumps, and so much more. Come on down and get to know us. Visit alpinehomemedical.com. Serving part-time in the Army National Guard has led to a lot of firsts for me. It paid for me to be the first person in my family to go to school. That education got me to the first day at my dream job, which I can still hold while I serve part-time. That job and the home loan benefits I got from the Army National Guard helped me buy my first house. I also know that I will be one of the first to respond if my community ever needs me. Sponsored by the Utah Army National Guard. Aired by the Utah Broadcasters Association and this station. Saturday on Compass Media Network's coverage of NCAA football. It's an ACC-SEC clash. The 24th-ranked Texas A&M Aggies host the 13th-ranked Miami Hurricanes. Hi, it's Greg Daniels. Join Steve Berline and me for a top 25 battle. Can Texas A&M rebound after an upset loss, or will the new-look Canes find a way to get it done on the road? If it's college football, it's right here. Saturday night at 6.30 on Sports Talk Radio, 106.9 FM, 1390 AM, The Fan. This is Nate Lamson with Valley Office Systems, your home team when local matters. Valley Office Systems is your local provider for all things office, copiers, printers, furniture, and document management. Proudly serving Cache Valley since 2007. Visit valleyofficesystems.com. Northern Utah and Southern Idaho's home for sports. It's the Full Court Press on Sports Talk Radio, 106.9 FM, 1390 AM. The Fan. Right now, we're not a very good football team. Uh, we're searching for ourselves. We're searching for 
consistency, we're searching for leadership, um, you name it, in, in every phase of the game. It's, uh, we have not played a good football game yet, and it, and it shows we're fortunate to have one win under our belt because we could have easily lost week one. Just We're just struggling to find our team. You know, our team. Uh, it was Blake Anderson after the game Saturday. Aggies struggling to find themselves after three games in the books and really only one quarter of good offensive football. Yeah, I think outside of that one quarter, I think they've scored seven points on offense. They scored a touchdown in the fourth. They didn't score an offense against Alabama. Didn't score an offense against Weber State. Which, fun fact, and I kind of tease this to you uh, off-air, I looked up teams that had their offenses shut out by FCS teams. My database only goes back to 2000, or the, the football reference. Uh, Utah State now one of three teams to not score offense, you know, not score an offense against FCS teams in the last 22 years. Duke was shut out by Richmond in 2006, and Ohio was shut out by Northeastern in 2002. So, wow. It, it's first off, it's been a while. What 16-ish years, give or take. I don't know what, if I'm doing the math right on that. Uh, Duke went on to go 0 and 12 that year. And Ohio went on to go 4-8. and eight. So if you're looking for historical precedent, things aren't looking too great for Utah State. Oh, that's scary. I really didn't want to hear that. <laughs> All right, more to the texts on our Full Court Press text line, 435-339-0321. Uh, 5634 texting in. It might be time to start Cooper Lega, Bonner making too many mistakes. Yeah, I've talked about that. Yeah, we've, we've discussed that. Um, I don't know that Cooper necessarily... Um, is is better, but if you're if if you have a quarterback, I don't care the whatever the player you have out there, and they're not helping the team move forward and giving them the team a chance to win. Like, are you going to pull uh, a linebacker who's not doing it? Now you pointed out that it's not all on Logan, but it's. It's frustrating what's going on with this football team overall. There's a lot of issues here. Yeah. Well, on this point, so 5-4-5-2, he's kind of shooting back. He says, come on, Jason, Bonner can barely walk. You honestly don't think Cooper can do any better than Bonner. And so here's my thing when talking about Cooper. I believe I said this before, but Cooper Lega is severely overrated by Utah State fans. Severely. He's held in very high regard after completing 11 of 20 passes in a bowl game. Okay? This guy didn't go out there and light up Oregon State. He managed the game. Aside from his first ever pass, you know, the 62-yarder to Tompkins, he averaged 5.7 yards per attempt. That is well below average. He did well. He did good. He did not do great. He did not do superb. He did good. So if you think he's going to walk in and be the savior of the team, you're wrong. Now, I did say there is a way he could help this team more than Bonner. Again, add a dimension to the run game. Maybe that's the answer. Could be. But I, I just don't see how Cooper Lega, you know, having watched him in the scrimmages, like one of the scrimmages he was like 3 of 15. He did not do very well in the scrimmages. No, he didn't blow everybody away in the yeah. scrimmages that we went to. He And he's not... You know, you, you look at his stats in college, which are 
kind of a mixed bag. So, you know, he was 11 for 20 in the bowl game. Like, his career completion percentage is under 50%. So, yes, we can like Cooper Lega and we can hope for his development. Like, when he came in, when I first watched him, I thought, why is this guy a Division One quarterback? But that was when he was a true freshman not getting any minutes going through his redshirt year. Now he's a guy, okay, this is actually a Division One quarterback. And as Coach Anderson said, you know, when he was going on his, uh, call it a rant or whatever you want to call it, he does believe in Cooper Lega, and so do I. But right now, based on what I've seen recently in terms of the bowl game, and even more recently in some of these games, he will not throw better than Logan Bonner. He can run better, and there's an added dimension that he can, he can give there. There is a positive. You can kind of sell me on that as far as trying him, trotting him out instead of Logan Bonner. We can have that discussion whether that's a positive or negative, but he will not pass. He will not save the passing game. Right, he, right. I totally agree. It's on the in the passing game specifically. Logan Bonner is your best option. Uh, but he becomes limited when first and second down plays don't really go very well. Um, and then in the timings off, or the wide receivers aren't running the right routes, or they're not catching the balls that are thrown their direction. That makes it tough for him to do anything. Yeah. But so. we also have to talk about the play calling. Yeah. <laughs> and we'll, we'll get to that. There's a lot more text. I want to get through those. Give you a chance uh, from the listeners. 8798. Coaching staff needs to look in the mirror. They've had three terrible game plans this season offensively. Bonner is clearly playing scared. Play calling has been atrocious. I don't know that Bonner is playing scared, but the play calling has been questionable. Yeah. Especially when in in terms of the running game, uh, when and that's when the when the booze began was on the running plays, like numerous times third and long, and the play is to give it to Calvin Tyler Jr. or Makakona or whoever, and to run it in the middle of the field and get no gain. That's when the booze began. Yeah, the- and it only got worse when things continued to fail and and not move forward with a, a passing game to help save them from their poor running game. Yeah, the, the first boos of the game were indeed on like it was like a third and seven, third and eight run play that went nowhere. Fans are sick of it. I'm sick of it. Funny thing is, Weber State ran two or three long third down runs. They converted they a converted. couple. There's a difference. Utah State's just running up the middle and seemingly with no creativity. You watch Weber State, what they were doing? They were attacking space. You know, they there seemed to be a method to the madness. And so theirs were working because, all right, you know, they were they basically it was a weak side run play, what they did several times. They converted an early third and ten on it. Because they attacked this wide open space that all it required was a couple of blocks to go right and bam, up in space, away from everyone. So Right. And I think that was kind of alluded to Coach Anderson that that he said we didn't win one-on-one matchups, and I think that's what they came down to is that they they kept telling their guys we should win one-on-one matchups rather than okay we need to scheme something different here, and just it never never did never happened. Anyway, a lot more to digest. A lot more of your texts coming through four three five three three nine zero three two one. Hey, it's Garrett Grantham with Grantham Mobile Automotive. Just like a plumber, just like an electrician, I come to your home. 
I am a master ASE technician, licensed, insured, and ready to come to you for your car repair needs. Right now, it is hot outside. From air conditioners to transmissions, I can take care of you. Give me a call, and I will come to you to get your car's AC running cold in no time. 435-229-4345. That's 435-229-4345. I'm here with Mark Anderson from Anderson Seed and Garden. Mark, can you tell us a little about your experience with ChemDry of Northern Utah? You know, our carpets get really dirty at Anderson Seed and Garden, and we clean every January. Our timing is is kind of difficult. I called Daryl, and he was amazing to work around our schedule. They came in and cleaned our carpets. They looked like brand new when they were all done, and uh, they've just been amazing to work with. ChemDry of Northern Utah. ChemDry of Northern Utah. Have you thought about your furnace lately? Of course not. It's hot outside. Now's a great time to start thinking about replacing it or having it serviced for fall and winter. Advanced Heating and Air will help you get some of the industry's best rebates on a new high-efficient York furnace installed in your home. Or one of Advanced Heating and Air's service professionals can service your furnace for the upcoming winter season. Call today, 752-7272, or schedule a free estimate at advancedheating-ac.com. York. Install confidence. DD Auto and Salvage is going to pay you the most for junk vehicles. You can get rid of your junk vehicles today. DD Auto and Salvage makes it so easy and fast to get rid of your junker vehicles by paying you the most money possible. Pickup is available. If you have metal, DD Auto and Salvage and Logan wants to pay you today. Call 787 1204. That's 787-1204. Today. See store for details. The Full Court Press. Connect with us on Facebook, Twitter, and online at 1069thefan.com. When the Napa Gold filter sale happens, that means it's time to stock up. All Napa Gold filters are on sale at up to 60% off. A lot of other great deals in store. And they've got through uh, September 15th, so this is just a few more days left at your locally owned Preston and Providence Napa Auto Parts stores. A couple more thoughts on our Full Court Press text line. Want to get to... um, one five three four. Great points, guys. One particular receiver needs to quit chirping so much at the other team, especially when you're getting your backside handed to you by an FCS team. He was also the leading receiver of the day, <laughs> defending your guy. I, but I I know what you mean. I have a bone to pick with Justin McGriff on a particular play. Maybe we'll get to that. Want to get through some of these texts first? Five four five two. So you already did that. Uh, you already read that one. Four four seven four. Doesn't surprise me at all that we already have fans turning on Anderson and Bonner. For many years, we have had the most fair weather fans in the world. Anderson will figure things out. Fans should never boo their team at home. Just because you buy a ticket doesn't mean you should be so disrespectful. I think Anderson was on the money with his comments. I think we'll have a nice discussion on the uh, maybe right of fans to boo. I don't know if that's the right phrase to use, but uh, we'll talk about that. Uh, five eight seven nine. Uh, a couple texts here. Uh, no targeting call on the hit on Sturzer? Uh, I agree. Uh, on a separate note, Coach A's recent personal tragedy explains his thin skin. You can tell he's wearing his heart on his sleeve more so than last year. Makes sense that he defended an injured Bonner who throws are now affected by that injury. Also, I hope the coaching staff is going to submit that targeting call to the Mountain West so they can review it. Yeah, I just 
the defender leads in with his helmet. Yes, Sturzer did kind of crouch down and collapsed into the space, but there was obviously a collision of helmets there. And to say there was no foul or no penalty, that was a bit surprising. That doesn't... I'm Dan Patrick, and this is Above the Noise. In the NFL, having a good quarterback has always been a big advantage. But today's prototype signal caller is far from what it was in the past. NFL teams still value arm talent, but long gone are the days of immobile quarterbacks. The new preferred makeup still involves arm talent, but today's offenses also value a quarterback's ability to run. Scrambling in the NFL is dangerous, but in this week's games, the advantages were made evident. Josh Allen ran all over the Rams for that big win Thursday night. Alabama's Bryce Young used his legs to set up Alabama's game-winning field goal, and Jalen Hurts torched the Lions on the ground to seal a victory on the road. Franchise quarterbacks are valuable, so it makes sense that teams would be hesitant to utilize their legs. But in the NFL, you need every advantage you can. So although it's nerve-wracking when your QB takes off, get used to it, because when you look at plays these quarterbacks made this weekend, it's hard to ignore those advantages. I'm Dan Patrick, and this is Above the Noise. 